Welcome to chapter one of love in the paradigm process. What kinds of love do you give? Love is a topic that has entranced musicians, storytellers, scientists, poets, and philosophers alike. The Greeks studied it extensively, separating love into four main categories. Agape, unconditional love. Eros, sexual love. Philautia, self-love. And philia, love of friends. These are still relevant today. Love is a feeling we all have in various forms or extremes, but our capacity to love can be affected by the love we received as kids and also by any negative experiences we may have had with love. As adults, we look to connect with someone who understands us and might even hope to fall in love. How do we build a strong foundation for love? How do we open ourselves up? At Paradigm, we believe that the foundation of love is rooted in our ability to be vulnerable and trusting, and one of the key ingredients here is humility. How can we exercise humility until we know and accept ourselves as we are? In this topic, we focus on understanding ourselves through the lens of trust and vulnerability, and also how our early interactions with love may have shaped how we love today. At Paradigm, we believe in operating through love. What we mean by that is that by trusting and having the courage to open up, it can lead to stronger relationships with ourselves, our partner, our family, friends, team, and even our pets. Let's dig a little deeper. What is love? Typically, we experience love for the first time as children, from our parents and grandparents, but also from other important people in our lives. This experience shapes our understanding of love, and later in this topic, we'll talk more about the science behind this in attachment theory. Love is a powerful emotion, like fear or anger. But let's take it back to the beginning. Why do we love? Like every other emotion, we experience love for a primal reason. Love helped us survive and reproduce by creating social bonds. That was back then. As we've evolved, things have become a little bit more complicated. We can have the best and worst experiences with love. It can hurt us like no other emotion, and it can also give us energy like no other. Psychologists have generally found that love falls into two categories, passionate love and companionate love. What is passionate love? This is that consuming love where it's hard to focus on anything except the object of your affection, where we're so consumed with desire at the thought of that person. This is honeymoon period territory. This type of love is a state of intense longing for union with another. It's characterized by emotional extremes, physiological arousal, and sexual attraction. Passionate love typically has only one rather than multiple targets. Subtypes of love that have been associated with this include the concept of intimacy, romantic love, love sickness, manic love, and sexual love. What is companionate love? Companionate love is linked to intimacy and deep attachment. This is after we get to know our special someone and we come to care, respect, and trust them. What is love in the paradigm process? At Paradigm, we believe in the importance of love and its connection to our health and well-being but we think it's more complicated than the traditional views of love that most of us are familiar with. We believe that there is room for all kinds of love in our lives, at various stages in our lives. There's a time and a place for that passionate throwdown kind of love, and there's a time when we crave the steadiness of companionate love. Whatever kind of love you're after, we think that knowing yourself is the first step. That's our focus in this topic. Knowing yourself in love allows you to pick the right person for you whether you're looking for something passionate or companionate, long-term or short-term. It allows you to understand your needs and desires 
and eventually to be able to communicate those needs and desires to your partner. Let me tell you a story. I asked myself what form did my love for my husband, children, grandchildren, siblings, and friends take? Having a loving mother who gave us unconditional love, but also taught us the importance of loving and caring for others. The love of a stern father who felt love needed to be earned. He taught us self-discipline and based his love on how well we fulfilled his demands. The third and most important love in my life was that of a grand-uncle who lived with us and taught us we needed to create love and sunshine in our hearts. He would ask me every morning, Have you looked into the sun today? I would grumble, It's grey and rainy outside. The sun is in your heart, he'd respond. These three individuals, more than anyone, form my expectations of what love is and should be, what I could do to be a loving person, and most of all, what I would be able to share and hopefully pass on to the next generation. I was 22 when I met my future husband, young in age but an old soul who had spent several years living as a young child with a grandmother, granduncle, and great-grandparents. I felt much more comfortable with older people. I knew what I wanted in a partner, most importantly a lifelong friend, not just a lover. I was well aware that love would change over the years. I wanted someone who shared my goals and believed in what was important in a marriage, one that would last through the ups and downs life hands us. Fortunately, I met that man, and we shared 48 wonderful years together. My marriage underwent all the stages of life, dazzling courtship, marriage, bearing children, and raising them. We raised our children to be caring and loving individuals. Then came retirement, and it was as if we returned to the beginning of our courtship, until a medical disaster struck my husband. I became his nurse for the last 12 years of our marriage. My 22-year-old self with an old soul was right in her ideas of what love is, and the goals she'd set for her partnership. Without friendship, we would not have been able to navigate these final 12 challenging years. During our marriage, we loved our sons unconditionally. This was a love I'd learned from my mother. My father's kind of love taught me not to put pressure on our sons. I'd seen his love stunt some of my siblings emotionally. A pressure I'd escaped by living with my grandmother, granduncle, and great-grandparents. My husband had a childhood like you might read in Oliver Twist. He didn't have a family or much love in his life. For him, a loving and caring family meant everything, and he would sacrifice anything to give it to his sons. My love for my siblings is formed by my childhood experiences of unconditional love given to me by my mother and granduncle. With it comes a sense of responsibility to take care of them, since I was fortunate to have escaped the twisted love my father handed out. At times it's a great burden, but at my age I dread the time when one of them will leave this world and I can't help them anymore or show them how much they mean to me. Love comes in so many ways, and sometimes at points in your life when you least expect it. Embrace it, cherish, nurture it, and don't waste it. Well, that's chapter one of Love in the Paradigm Process. See you tomorrow.